Hello and welcome to another episode of Cast It Into the Fire podcast. I'm Sarah. I'm Bill. And we are back to the Game of Thrones book series. And we're on... uh, We're going to be Sassy Bran. Bran, Bran. And we have a book I'm reading. Uh, You've got an interesting illustration Yeah, it's a picture of a white walker riding a giant spider. Now, are there giant spiders confirmed in Game of Thrones? They're not uh, confirmed. Westeros or whatever. I mean, as we're gonna see in the chapter, well, there's there's, le- all sorts of there's legend of them, but no, we do not at any point get a giant spider in any of the published books. Yeah. And uh, what do you think of the design here? I think now this was made before the show. I this was printed before the uh, show. Ah, the the illustration doesn't predict. The show. Okay, I was wondering, because it looks like it takes inspiration from the show with the White Walker. Yeah, the White Walker looks kind of like, like this in, like, um, bearded, pale yeah. dude. And in the book, I feel like White Walkers are more like yeah. fey. It looks more like Elvenish. the show White Walker, like an ice zombie. But um, And that's uh, quite a gnarly looking spider. Yeah, spider like, I like awesome. spiders, and that's not... And yeah, that's an intimidating looking spider. It's, it's not also, cute. There's more behind him. Um, you know, I think that these may have inspired the frost spiders from Skyrim. Yeah, maybe. It's also not very accurate. Uh, yeah, it's, it's not it's, anatomically it's, accurate for a spider's head at all. Yeah, it's yeah, got like weird mouth teeth kind of things and... I mean, that kind of makes sense for kind of an unnatural aberration of nature, which I would think spiders that are white walkers riding probably would be. Yeah, regarding the Skyrim, yeah, giant spiders are kind of a video game staple and it just as easily could have been inspired by Lord of the Rings or anything else. But yeah, the makers of Skyrim did apparently have some interest in making a Game of Thrones themed game um, way back in the day and uh, didn't get the permission to do so. Uh, There's a few uh, things in common anyway. It's got the giants and the mammoths and Yeah, as I said, it's a sort of ice spider. But yeah, the drawing itself is a representation of a legend. It doesn't depict an actual scene from the actual book. Yeah. So anyway, Bran is... uh... He has just woken up for the first time since his fall in coma. And he can't move. He can't move, like, anything below the waist... Or, like, feel his legs. He is paralyzed. Don't yep. mind the dire wolf barking in the background. And, yeah, he's looking out the window and seeing his younger brother Rick and running and playing with the wolves. Grey Wind and Shaggy Dog. And, you know, he's... He's missing that yeah, this is something he can't have in the same way anymore. Yep. He's clearly bitter about it, which I don't believe. I mean, I think all we all would be. Yeah, exactly. 
it's an understandable emotion to have. And he's also like, oh, I'm, I'm eight now. I'm almost a man. I can't cry. Um, old Nan is there, kind of babysitting him, and, uh, yeah, he's just like, it was a lie, I can't fly, I can't even run. Crows are all liars, says old Nan. Which is true. Now, does she understand what's going on, do you think? Because that's what I was kind of wondering about this, because she's old, she knows a lot, um... That's just sort of like again. I'm I I've, I've I haven't read this book before. I'm you know, it's on my first run. Um, I was just wondering if you thought maybe that could be the case because that... at the very least, I think she has a bit more belief in old legends and powers than yeah. I don't think she really really knows for sure either. But I think she's a bit more. Um, open to these kind of stories or at least uh, likes to pass them down and there's various fan theories along the lines of old Nan is going to be ultimately correct one way or the other in all sorts of things once again these aren't confirmed but fan theories about Blood Raven and whether you can trust him, you know, crows are all liars. Yeah. Uh, But, so I I just get the impression that um, might be something like that. uh, That maybe, especially because now she's supposed to be, what, 100 and something by now? um, Something. But her her age is not quite known because um, she was a wet nurse to a Brandon Stark before that, but there have been so many Brandon Starks and she's getting a little forgetful and can't remember which Brandon Stark she was a wet nurse to, so she could be old or she could be really, really, really old. Um, Yep. Yes, it says that Brandon Stark, that she was a wet nurse too, um, had been an older brother of Lord Rickard, Bran's grandfather, or perhaps a younger <laughs> brother, or a brother to Lord Rickard's father. Yeah. And Bran- and Nan can't uh, remember for certain which one, so... Yeah, could be very old indeed. And she'd stayed on at Winterfell with her own children, even though um, the boy that she'd come as a wet nurse to didn't make it past three. And she had daughters, and she's apparently the ancestor of Hodor. That I did not know. Ancestor of Hodor. She's the ancestor of Hodor, even though she's very small herself. Yeah, well. You never know. Genetics can be weird like that. I'm sure George R. R. Martin likes having weird contradictions like that. Have we properly discussed Hodor yet? 
I don't think have he, he hasn't been introduced yet, has he? I mean, I feel like he was mentioned once, and I don't know if we took note of it or not. Well, Hodor is. He's very tall, very strong. And all he can say is Hodor. All he can say is Hodor. He has some sort of intellectual disability, and he works with the horses in the stable, and... Yeah. And Bran, because he's... I was so unhappy right now. He's. I don't care about these stories. I hate them. Because he wants to go and play with the wolves and climb up the tower and feed corn to the crows again and ride his pony and. Yeah. Um. Old Nan. Uh, says I knew a story about a boy who hated stories. Uh. We yeah. don't. We don't end up knowing more about this. Yeah, we don't. Um. And Bran's still thinking that the crow had tricked him into flying in his coma, and he'd woken up and was broken, and the world was changed, and um, several of his family have gone south without him. He was going to go with them, and they didn't bring him because he was unconscious. He is is an injured. An injury. And, uh... And apparently the Maester Lewin had sent ravens to um, Eddard with a message and to um, Catelyn and to John, and they hadn't gotten any answers back. And um, he says maybe the birds were lost or maybe a hawk got them. I don't know how often a hawk actually takes out a raven. Often enough. Really? Yeah. I mean, you're you're more the bird guy than me, uh... Well, ravens are smart, but they still get eaten by hawks, eagles, and owls. Um, And certain species of hawk will uh, absolutely take out a raven. But that's also why animals like ravens and crows will mob hawks. And ravens are indeed smart enough to avoid hawks on their own sometimes. But, you know. To Bran, it feels as if they'd died because they they all disappeared while he was asleep, or he had died and they'd forgotten him. And he's only got Rob and Rickon. And Rob isn't like he was before because he has to act as the Lord now and he doesn't smile and he's wearing a real sword. And Rob just, you know, isn't like his friend in the same way anymore now that he's got all these responsibilities yeah no he's yeah he's got more things he has to do now so and uh, old nan offers to tell him the story of brandon the builder which was always his favorite and yeah thousands of years ago thousands and thousands of years ago sorry gonna give you the ghost of christmas pass uh from aqua Teen voice there thousands of years ago brandon the builder had raised Winterfell, and some said the wall. Bran knew the story, but it never had been his favorite. <laughs> Even though she said it was. Um, maybe one of the other Brandons had liked that story. Sometimes Nan would talk to him as if he were her Brandon. The baby she nursed all years ago, and sometimes she confused him with Uncle Brandon, 
who was killed by the man the king before Bran was even born. So there you go. She's she she doesn't always remember, and there's been so many Brandon Starks. Yeah, and she's like I said, she's like implied to be over a hundred years old, and. Is it time to bring out that crack theory that, um, of time traveling Bran and how they're all Bran and really I don't, I don't think so. It's fun, but it's not. Yeah. Um. Yeah, there's a theory out there that this Bran, the current Bran, is all of the Brands. Yeah. And that he was Brandon the Builder and I guess Brandon the Shipwright and... Well, yeah, I mean, I see how you can get that idea. Oh, well, Bran being who he is, he kind of lends himself to crack, you know, Bran theories. Yes, he does. I don't really take them as serious canon, but um, lots of those to look up online if you're so interested. And he says, that's not my favorite. My favorites were the scary ones. Of course they were. Of course they were. And then the famous quote, Oh, my sweet summer child, what do you know of fear? Fear is for the winter, my little lord, when the snows fall a hundred feet deep and the ice wind comes howling out of the north. Fear is for the long night, when the sun hides its face... For years at a time, and little children are born and live and die all in darkness, while the dire wolves grow gaunt and hungry, and the white walkers move through the woods. The others. Yeah, Brown's like, you mean the others? And um, the others, old Nan agreed. Thousands and thousands of years ago, a winter fell that was cold, a winter fell that was cold and hard and endless beyond all memory of man. There came a night that lasted a generation, and kings shivered and died in their castles, even as the swine herds in their hovels. Women smothered their children rather than see them starve, and cried, and felt their tears freeze on their cheeks. So, child, this is the sort of story you like. And Bran is like, yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, she's referring to the long night, which is considered part of the history of basically all of those lands, which yeah. means it probably happened. Yeah. Um, a winter that lasted a long time and yeah, had white walkers. Years. And um, different countries and different peoples have different yeah, events they blamed on it. Um, none of it's gone into in this chapter. I feel though like it's pretty clearly nature that had caused that to happen, but I don't know. But yeah. like they blame it on they might blame it on the wickedness of well, whoever their ruler was at the time. Um a far off country of uh well I I pronounce it Yai Tai but it's more commonly pronounced Yi Ti that seems to be based um kinda loosely on China. Um they blame it on the wickedness of the Bloodstone Emperor and his tiger woman wife. And that's not a thing in the country Westeros at all. So each people has their own version of this. That's uh, Old Nan goes on 
Uh, in the darkness, the others came for the first time. They were cold things, dead things that hated iron and fire and the touch of the sun, and every creature with hot blood in its veins. And they swept over holdfasts and cities and kingdoms and felled heroes and armies by the score, riding their pale dead horses and leading hosts of the slain. So it's, it's clearly an apocalyptic uh, description there with uh, what are clearly the others. All the swords of men could not stay their advance and even maidens and suckling babes found no pity in them. They hunted the maids through frozen forests and fed their dead servants on the flesh of human children. So, that's the others. Now, some of these references, I would say, are foreshadowing to certain later events in the book, not all of which involve White Walkers. Yeah. Um... And once, and with how much they were felling whole armies and sweeping over kingdoms, you wonder exactly how they were successfully destroyed or driven back. But somehow they were. Somehow they were. We're not. Well, we get clues about it. We get clues, but it's never like really in full detailed. Yeah, and it's also there's still questions. Um, back in that first chapter when the Night's Watch rangers encountered others in the woods and the disappeared um, dead wildlings, um, you're seeing some of that. They're raising the dead and yeah. making them do things. Yeah. It goes on that these were the days before the Andals came and it was long before the women fled across the narrow sea from the cities of the Rhoyne. And that was Nymeria, who I talked a bit about when in our House of the Dragon um, second episode. Yes, you did. And the hundred kingdoms of the first men were around at that time, and they'd taken those lands from the children of the forest, who we've already mentioned, but they... They were kind of like elves or fey, and their weapons were not a match for the first men that came over into Westeros and fought against them. Yeah. And they had various magic of their own, which, uh, how much extent of that is unknown, but... Yet here and there, in the fastnesses of the woods, the children still lived in their wooden cities and hollow hills, and the faces in the trees kept watch. So as cold and death filled the earth, the last hero determined to seek out the children, in the hopes that their ancient magics could win back what the armies of men had lost. He set out into the deadlands with a sword, a horse, a dog, and a dozen companions. For years he searched until he despaired of ever finding the children of the forest in their secret cities. One by one his friends died, and his horse, and finally even his dog. And his sword froze so hard the blade snapped when he tried to use it. And the others smelled the hot blood in him and came silent on his trail, 
stalking him with packs of pale white spiders, big as hounds. So there's the spiders there. And that's when the door opens to the room, interrupting the story. So yes, that's how the spiders come in. Now they're part of the story, but they're never confirmed in the rest of the book. Neither are they denied in the rest of the book. No. Um, do you have any thoughts about this uh, last hero guy? Well, he's supposed to be some sort of... Now, we don't know what actually happens to him, do we? Do we ever reveal that? Um, no. Yeah, so I don't know if... Uh... I don't know. The Twelve Companions feels like sort of a Christ thing. Yeah. Um... Having a horse and a dog and his sword, I mean, that could be anyone. But that sort of feels like it could be about John. In which case, that could be very sad for Ghost. No, this is just supposition. It's, I have no. We don't. Know I've read happens. the whole series of published. We don't published. know what happens yet, and there's a lot of open ends here. Um, Spoilers: Ghost is definitely still alive by the end of all. Now the door is opened, and there's Lewin, the maester, and there's Hodor, and he just greets them, Hodor. Yeah. And the maester says he's got visitors, and Bran's presence is required. And this visitor is apparently Tyrion Lannister and some men of the Night's Watch. And Rob's there, too. Well, Rob is always there. Yeah, that's true. But we, we should just make note of that, that he's there. Rob is meeting with them, you know, as the present lord in Winterfell. And they have word from John, but they didn't bring John. Uh, more Hodor description about how he's shaggy and seven feet tall. And Bran wonders if he's ever going to, when he gets old, is he's going to get as short as his great-grandmother which didn't seem likely, which I agree. And Hodor just easily picks Bran up and takes him downstairs. Yeah, like it's nothing. But Hodor is just that strong. Bran probably doesn't weigh that much anyway, but, you know, with Hodor, it's no big deal. Uh, Rob is seated in Father's high seat, and he's got his armor on, and... Um, a dozen guards and Theon and Hallis Mullen are there. Hallis Mullen just being one of uh, Eddard's men. He's never a major character. Yep. No, he's just there. Rob says any man of the Night's Watch is welcome here at Winterfell as long as he wishes to stay. So he's obviously, he's doing some cordial formalities, but doesn't, doesn't want Tyrion there and doesn't... And Tyrion calls him out on that. He yeah, says, any man of the Night's Watch, but not me. Do I take your meaning, boy? Yeah, he also says, you know, spare me your kindness or whatever. You know, he knows that he doesn't want him there. 
He knows that he knows when he's not wanted, but he's gonna be there anyway because he's Syrian. He doesn't care. Rob takes issue with being called boy because he's lord here while father and mother are away. And Tyrion uh, says, "If you are a lord, you might learn a lord's courtesy." So it's it's prickly between. And this being because the Lannisters are suspect in Bran's fall and Bran getting attacked yeah. by the guy with the knife. Yes, he does. And what happens then? Um, Tyrion sees for himself that the word is true that Bran has fallen and woken up and can't use his legs. He can't do anything. And has Hodor bring Bran closer, and they set Bran in the high seat of the Starks, and I'll talk about this a bit, because it's cold stone, polished smooth by countless bottoms, and it's got the carved heads of direwolves on the ends of the arms of the throne, so it's awesome looking. Yeah, that's that would be like a cool thing to sit on, And Tyrion looks at Bran, and I'm told you were quite the climber. And tell me how it is that you happened to fall that day. And Bran's like, he never falls. Yeah. And the maester says, you know, the, he doesn't remember this. Which it's true. I, I think him blocking out the memory of Jamie was almost like magically part of the condition of him being allowed to wake up with whatever three-eyed raven weirdness was going on in his head. I don't know whether you took it that way or not. No, I think that that's kind of how I did read it. So, I don't know. But again, I always wonder about... I feel like there's some hidden meanings here, uh, including you have that and you have, like, Nan... Uh, and her stories. And her stories, and I feel that there's just sort of a, uh, I feel like it's just sort of the beginning of the whole uh, mystic, mystical uh, connection that is going to eventually be a part of this. Now Tyrion says he's got a gift, asks Bran if he wants to ride, and the maester's like, his legs don't work. He can't sit on a horse, and... Lannister says, no, with the right horse and the right saddle, even a cripple can ride. Now, I'm going to point out, yeah, the word cripple is used pretty much throughout these books, and it probably is correct for the kind of time period, but it's dated, and it's one of those words that you probably shouldn't use unless you're part of the physically disabled community yourself and want to. Yeah, that's one of those things. I wouldn't as well as Hodor gets but, called things like simple. and. But also, that's one of those things, yeah. Like, until really the 2010s, nobody had any regard for that. And I think that that should sort of... Like, don't get me wrong. People had regard for, like, blatant, like, racism and all that unless they were writing the part, which a lot of authors did write the part. But, you know, it was portrayed negatively. But they would also be very blunt and, uh describing uh, certain handicaps and things like that. 
And again, it really wasn't until my, from what I noticed, uh, the ten, 2010s and that became more widespread. You know, of course, you know, my, you know, my, my reading of literature is limited. So I'm sure there's plenty of stuff that I miss. And Bran hates that because he hasn't come to grips with what's happened. He says, I'm not a cripple. And Tyrion says, then I'm not a dwarf. My father will rejoice to hear it. Yeah. But, um, Maester Lewin asks more about the horse and the saddle and... To be fair, um, also Tyrion's not going to be PC no matter how you write him. Like, he's not... And so it's a smart horse, and instead of using your legs to direct the horse, which um, is a thing while riding, whether it looks like it is or not, um, you instead teach the horse to respond just to reins and voice. You start with a horse with you know, no saddle training, and a special saddle that's designed to uh, be secure for Bran to sit in. And Tyrion's right. Disabled people can sometimes ride horses because uh, you can use a special saddle and if you got you know, the right temperament of the horse, I don't know to what degree that ever existed in medieval times, but... Yeah, Bran can ride. I wouldn't... I wouldn't personally... No, it feels like his spine is ready to take the jolting of a horse, but that well, never that, comes that, up. Well, that probably is correct. So, not to get too graphic, but certain spinal injuries will prevent you from riding on a horse at all, period. Um, or sitting a certain way, period. Uh, you'd have to be forcefully strapped down if you, again, certain spinal injuries. Well, he, the he saddle does have spinal, straps. Okay, well, no, I don't mean, like, straps as in, like, that. I mean, like, you'd have to be literally tied down to the horse. It goes around his legs and around his chest. Okay, it would have to be something like that, but it would also have to be, like, holding the horse a certain way. I don't know. That'd be, maybe, I'd have to see it. I mean, I'm not, I'm I not... I just know that I've read... About some pretty gnarly spinal injuries in my time, and they do prevent certain things. So, and of course, George R. R. Martin being George R. R. Martin, I assume this is going to be the more uh, graphic thing. I mean, it's not, of course, it's not so gross where, you know, but it's still going to be, he's probably going to make it a certain way. So, I think it's totally reasonable he could ride, but it just seems quick. Yeah. Like, it's probably not even knitted together yet at all, whatever. Yeah. Not that I'm exactly sure how much time has passed. With Bran being out as long as he was. But in whatever case, yes, he's got a saddle plan. And it works for... As long as Bran's using it. And my understanding, Tyrion himself has his own special saddle to um, ride a horse with his short legs. Yeah. And Bran 
it's like, will I really be able to ride? But maybe this is another lie because the crow had promised him that he could fly and he's not flying. And Rob is like, why are you doing this? Is it a trap? What's, you know, Brown's you? Why do you want to help him? And um, Tyrion Santos to that is, your brother John asked it of me, and I have a tender spot in my heart for cripples and bastards and broken things. Now, from Tyrion, I think he meant it this time, in his later portrayals in the book, um, I don't think it's as true as that. Um, at least if the person is a woman. But, you know, that doesn't come up until later. Well, yeah, like, Tyrion meets, um, another small person, and he reacts with disgust. And he also reacts with disgust when he meets, um... A woman with an intellectual disability. I got. He didn't want to marry her, but his uh, level of disgust went far more than that. Yeah. So. Well, we won't spoil that too much. But anyway, yeah, Tyrion's not. Like I said, he's not the most PC character. And uh, the Rickon opens the door, and the wolves run in. And the first thing they do is run up to Tyrion and start growling. Yeah, of course. And, yeah, Theon says, The wolves do not like your smell, Lannister. Now, as we may have mentioned already, the dire wolves do seem to have a sort of sixth sense about people, and if the wolves don't like somebody, you should uh, listen. Yeah. Which is interesting because Tyrion is generally you know, thought of as like one of the better Lannisters and sort of a one of the more protagonist characters, pretty well liked by fans. So I'm not sure where this is going with the wolves' uh, dislike of him, but I think it's just maybe more of a he's a Lannister. Yeah. Enough said, kind of. Yeah. Yeah, they call off the wolves. And, you know, Tyrion's clothes are torn, and he's apparently paid his pants a bit, but he's not hurt. Yeah, and he mentions And Rob is like, I don't know why the wolves did that. No doubt they mistook me for dinner. And I promise you they would have found me quite indigestible. And uh, that's when Tyrion excuses himself out. Rob says you can have the hospitality of Winterfell if you wish it. Rob doesn't want to be saying this, but he's maintaining the courtesies. But now he's going to go find a inn in the winter town and um, maybe a woman to sleep with him and 
So he's going off. Yeah. And one of the Night's Watch brothers, an old man with a twisted black and tangled beard, Yorin, goes with him. Yeah. Um, the, the others of the Night's Watch are staying there, and I guess the idea is they're going to return north after a short rest at Winterfell. Yeah, Bran's happy to have the saddle. And he's gonna go hunting in the woods again with his wolf and But all the same he's dreaming about climbing again and the earth is a thousand miles below him and he can't fly. No, he's falling again. And he's got the weird gargoyle stuff in his dream. And some of them looked like they may have been lions once that were twisted and grotesque and they were whispering to each other in soft stone voices, terrible to hear. And he must not listen, he tells himself. He must not hear. And as long as he doesn't hear them, he'll be safe. And then gargoyles are pulling themselves loose off the side of the stone and are climbing toward him. And Bran knew he wasn't safe at all. And he wakes up. He says he didn't hear, he didn't, he didn't, and he wakes up in a panic. Uh, what do you think that is? I mean, it's obviously a Lannister thing. They used to be lions. Yeah, I think that's implying that. I also think with Tyrion, it's because he, as you said, he's a Lannister. I think he smells like the person who pushed Bran out the window, maybe. And I think that's sort of an indication of... And the plot steering towards his guilt by association and the guilt of the Lannisters, but nobody really knows that. Even Tyrion doesn't fully under know that, I don't think. Um, although I'm sure he suspects. So. I think that's what that is. Uh, Hodor dresses him and takes him down to the Great Hall. And they got a pretty fancy dinner. They got a roast pig and pigeon pie and turnips soaking in butter. And apparently the cook had promised honeycombs for dessert. Uh, there's George R. R. Martin being a foodie again. Yeah. And the wolves are fighting over a bone in the corner. The dogs of um, Winterfell won't even come into the hall now. Yeah, because of the wolves. So... When uh, they mention Jon Snow to Yorin of the Night's Watch, he just kind of shrugs. It's Sir Alistair's Bane. Yeah. And they're laughing about something that Bran isn't understanding. And when Rob asks for news of Uncle Benjen, the Night's Watch brothers just went quiet. Yeah, well, and then he says he's most likely dead. And Rob takes that very badly. He says, he's not dead, you hear me? My uncle's not dead. And Bran was suddenly afraid. And <laughs> Yorin's just like, whatever. And the, the youngest of them uh, shift uncomfortably. And there's not a man on the wall who knows the haunted forest better than Benjen. He'll find his way back. And maybe he will, maybe he won't. Uh, 
the good men have gone into the woods and never come out. And all Bran could think of was an old man's story uh, of the others who in the last hero. So that's bringing that back up again. I mean, I feel like that's sort of meant to be maybe like played while uh, Benjen Stark is fleeing the woods. Like that could be a good image. Um, and Bran just blurts out that the children of the forest will help him. And Theon is just laughing at that. And Maester Lewin says that the children of the forest have been dead and gone for thousands of years. All that is left are the faces in the trees. It's actually kind of surprising that Lewin is acknowledging that they were a thing at all. But they supposedly were. (laughs) And are they ever coming back? Oh no, that's further into that. Where the, you know... Yeah, Jorn says that it's true they're gone down here, but up past the wall, who can say? You, up there, a man can't always tell what's alive and what's dead. That's uh, yeah. ominous, given the White Walker situation. Yeah. And after dinner, Rob brought Bran back to bed himself. And says, we'll find the horse for him. He promises. And Bran asks if they're ever coming back. And um, Rob says that Mother will be home soon. And we can ride out to meet her when she comes. And wouldn't that be a surprise for her to see Bran on the horse? Yeah. And afterward, they'll ride north and see the wall. And we won't even tell John we're coming. And it'll be a surprise. It'll be an adventure. And, you know, then there's a touching moment where uh, Rob starts crying and Bran and him, like, you know, hold their hands together. And that's that's the end of the chapter. So. So, it's a chapter with a lot of uh, lore, a lot of foreshadowing and potential foreshadowing. Yeah. you have anything else to really say about it? What's the next chapter? That's um, Eddard. Well, there you go. Another Ned chapter. Uh, I think that a lot of this is foreshadowing. Uh, and I think that there's a lot of read between the lines here thing. So. Anyway. Um, it's a very interesting chapter either way. So, all right then. Yeah, we'll be on to Eddard, and um, we'll have more House of the Dragon, more Rings of Power, more Fellowship of the Ring. Thank you for listening to Castings the Fire Podcast, and good night. Good night.